So there was kind of a big fight that happened last weekend. I'm not sure you've heard about it, and every time seemingly a Connor fight happens or someone breaks a million buys, there's always some ridiculous take from some journalist that doesn't really cover MMA. Oh, I'm glad you're like, how vicious do women get, by the way? Are they, like, clawing? And I mean, is it really that? No, 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 I don't no. Know no. how it works. She, she is a badass. Yeah. There's no clawing. No, I know. How would you and you versus Jesus in the octagon, how would, that, how would he fare? Me versus Jesus in the octagon. <laughs> I think Conor McGregor could beat Floyd Mayweather Jr. Am I a UFC fan? Is that a real question? Not saying all takes are bad from outsiders, of course they're not, but these certainly are. And one such take over the past weekend came from a guy by the name of Darren Ravel, who is frankly most known to the MMA community for what he said about Amanda Nunes a little while back. What's his name tonight? That idiot's name that I can't stand. Darren Ravel. The fuck does Darren Ravel know about fighting, number one? And he says uh, the UFC got destroyed tonight because Chris Cyborg lost and Amanda Nunes won and she's not marketable at all and fucking... I'm 100% with Dana on this one, guys. We certainly disagree with him quite a lot on this channel, but what was said about Nunes is just a classic bad take on all levels. And so just when we'd all forgotten about this one, Ravel strikes again. His article is titled, Conor McGregor losing against Dustin is somehow bad for the UFC. I tweeted back at him like many others with a fairly scathing response, and to my surprise, there were actually a lot of people defending this take. MMA fans were. And while I think most fans will write this off with these standard ad hominems, I do think that this leads to a bigger undercurrent in the MMA community and the sport in general about meritocracy and the meaning of titles or ranked fights versus money fights in the first place. You know the sayings, quote unquote, belts don't mean anything. So I thought that this was a worthy time of addressing this in more detail. I'm Jason from MMA on Point. Oh no, it's him. <laughs> I'm here to deal with the mainstream sports criticism. Is it actually bad when a top star loses? So too, as they say, quote unquote, still man the argument in your opposition's favor. Let's go ahead and do that real quick. Keep in mind that means what I'm about to say, I don't actually agree with. I just think it's best to understand one's point of view before you interject your own. It's more of a sound argument that way, blah, blah, blah. You get the point. And in all honesty, the idea is not totally bankrupt. For as much as hardcores as many of us in the community laud ourselves to be, let's go ahead and take a step back and just look at when most fight fans, a lot of us, became fans. So, number one, 1993, the very first event. This one is super obvious. Whether immediately or throughout the archaic passage of VHS tapes, this was when a lot of folks started watching in this era, really lasted from about 1993 to 1996 and a bit of 97, and then we were already in the Dark Ages. So that's number one. Number two, the Dark Ages being what they were, most fans missed out on the greatness of Frank Shamrock. Boss Root transfer from Pancrase to the UFC, and even Pride's inception. Without a doubt, Tito Ortiz's era was the first big boom to bring the sport out of the Dark Ages, and it really reached critical mass initially with Ken Shamrock. This was around 2002 when they fought for the first time. Number three. Meanwhile, with all this going on, Chuck Liddell was on the rise, but then Couture famously derailed that hype train at least for a little while, leading to what I would call the Great Four all clashing around this time. Chuck, Tito, 
Couture, Vitor, truly the best marquee division in the UFC, and no more significant dates than the Ultimate Fighters finale and the culmination of Couture versus Liddell 2, we are talking a major upgrade in pay-per-view buys at this time. So then number four, the Brock Lesnar era. People will hate what I'm saying on this one, but it's honestly true. It was huge. And don't get me wrong, Brock's best-selling pay-per-view absolutely was not due to just himself. It was after all UFC 100 and GSP was the co-main event. This also coincided with the time shortly after Pride, which was still near its peak by then. And it's what allowed my personal favorite KO of all time with former Pride double champ Hendo landing his best H-bomb ever. This was in 2009. And then so moving on from there, it's a bit of an interstitial period for B. For the next few years, things slowed down in terms of breaking records. Strike Force would sell to the UFC in 2010. And big stars like Nick Diaz would have huge fights with GSP and Chael Sonnen would push Anderson Silva to the brink, but by mid-2013, neither would be champion anymore. Ronda was not yet the megastar she would become, but had also at least arrived. And this era no doubt brought on a ton of new fans, don't get me wrong, but it never really moved the ball forward like these other eras have in terms of pay-per-view sales and records being broken. The Fox debut definitely is a large significant moment in this time, but unlike other periods I've talked about here, there wasn't really one huge moment to encapsulate it. So that moves us on to the last one, number five, the current era. And it really started in 2015. Conor McGregor was rising up through the ranks and by that year had made his pay-per-view debut against late replacement Chad Mendes for the interim featherweight championship. While Rousey was winning the ESPYs and calling out everyone, including Floyd Mayweather. I wonder how Floyd feels being beat by a woman for once. <laughs> wow. I'd like to see it pretending I know who I am now. Wow. This took her to unprecedented heights, breaking millions of buys against the likes of Bechko Heya. Don't ask me how she turned that into a massive fight. So she actually broke a million buys before Connor. For him, that would happen at UFC 194 against Aldo. The rest, of course, is recent history with UFC 229's Insanity and 2.4 million pay-per-view buys. This last pay-per-view is said to have done 1.8 million. Ronda is long since gone at the end of 2016, along with Connor's boxing career and the rise and somewhat fall of Jorge Masvidal. <sighs> Man, that felt like a whole mini list inside of this essay. Why the hell did I just break all that down? Oh yeah, playing devil's advocate for the criticism that it's bad Connor lost to Dustin. And so the way that all of this ties in is that while you may all have your own personal things that got you into the sport, I would guarantee you that most of the fans watching this video, no matter how hardcore of a fan or casual you might be, started watching during one of these five major and casual friendly times. My first fight that I went out of my way to watch with friends was Liddell versus Ortiz 2, but the first one I actually bought was Brock versus Mirtio. UFC 100. That was when it really became an obsession for me. And I'm not gonna lie, I feel like I'm supposed to say it was Boss Rutten and Pancreas fucking people up or something, but no, it was the Brock era that hooked me. That's not enough! Again, I'm willing to bet the vast majority of you fall under one of these five significant eras or times in Western MMA history as well. I do realize I'm not talking about Pride a whole lot here, and that's because this has to do with a criticism about the UFC. But I want to know, how did you get into the sport? Tell me in the comments and let me know if I'm wrong. Oh, okay. But so then, all of that, that's the most charitable argument I can make for this idea that Connor should have won last Saturday. It's great for the sport to have big stars, that sort of thing, etc. And to be fair, I don't think it's that bad of an argument. Without a doubt, large hordes of fans tuned in on Saturday night. It will make new lifelong fans, or at the very least, people who will stick around for a long time. 
You stack on top of this just the sheer visibility of what kind of brings to the sport and the general cash flow. So what's my argument back? Why is this fundamentally wrong? Well, first off, I think it just rubs everybody the wrong way to say that somebody as deserving as Dustin Poirier is somehow not deserving. That rubs everybody the wrong way as soon as they hear it. But aside from feeling offended and the emotional side of it, the most obvious argument and most echoed one is that this is a sport. Sure, it does borrow from WWE in terms of its pay-per-view business model and the entertainment industry at large. Many fighters certainly take up the antics and promotion to varying degrees of success. But here's the thing. Imagine Conor McGregor's initial run. The Liddells, the Ortizes, even the Brocks and the Rondas. What happens if they just lost. Connor never beats, but rather loses to Poirier in the first fight. Chad Mendes' elbows or his guillotine attempt end up finishing him. Ronda Rousey is instead choked out by Liz Carmouche in their first UFC fight, or Brock gasses out and gets KO'd by Couture for their title fight, and the mere rematch never happens, or he just loses that. The thing is, no matter how much you cake on the theatrics of what's happened with the UFC and their biggest stars, and believe me there has been a lot, did Brock deserve his title shot over newcomers with more fights already by then like Velasquez and JDS? I'd say no as well, because he would have lost to them. But the truth is, he did beat Couture, he did beat Mir, Shane Carwin, all in thrilling title fights. Ronda was breaking Misha Tate's arm and strike force and armbarred her again, the very person who would beat Holm right after she lost with her shocking head kick KO. She also destroyed Kat Zingano, who is the last person to not just beat, but finish Amanda Nunes. And of course, for the titular focus, Conor McGregor, he truly did do some astonishing, unquestionably world-class things in his career. Jose Aldo was literally unbeaten for a decade. He was considered a GOAT contender. And outside of Mark Hominick's fifth round rally and some solid moments for Mendez in their second fight, Aldo always looked incredible. Conor knocking him out in 13 seconds was literally unfathomable to most fans, including myself at that time. Dana White has said it himself over and over. He would meet the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world, and I thought this thing was going to be like Hagler Hearns. If you're watching this video and you're saying, oh yeah, I called a quick KO, well, it's literally to the point that I don't believe you. The Alvarez win was much like it. By then, it seemed like Diaz had him figured out, and even Mendez in hindsight, but Alvarez didn't even manage to have a single moment in that fight. You get the point of what I'm saying, though. They all won when it mattered. So hopefully you have followed me this far. The point of all this is that every single one of these quote-unquote money fighters got here on their own merits. Yes, the talk was part of it. Yes, the pre-existing fame was part of it for many, but the reality of it without those wins their careers disappear. It becomes James Vick calling Gaethje the Homer Simpson of MMA. It becomes a familiar hype train derailment story that leads to nowhere. Take away the legitimate wins and none of the hyperbole outside of the cage means a single thing. So this is the part where I get to talk about the person who is deserving, Dustin Poirier, who I really hope has become a star in the wake of all this. He's currently being called out by title challengers, title holders, other money fighters, and I hope the casual audience starts to give him the attention he has unquestionably earned. What Dustin Poirier represents, even if he doesn't sell half of what Conor did, is what makes this sport so great. Conor, without the legitimacy of Aldo's streak and prestigious title, wouldn't have reached nearly the same heights. That title, that belt, that Aldo or Alvarez had made it truly impressive, and they supplied him with their legitimacy in their 
their losses. Dustin Poirier, whether he sells a quarter of what these stars did in his next pay-per-view is the very reason they were able to achieve those heights in the first place. You can't not have the wins and only have the trash talk. It's meaningless. And that's the implicit side of this claim that has obvious holes to poke through. Why is it supposedly bad Dustin beat Connor? Because Connor is further away from what? A Diaz fight? No, he could take that the moment he's healed up. Even a Manny Pacquiao fight, that's all still there for him. But we all know if there is a title on the line, it's unquestionably a bigger fight. Why is Surreal gone fighting Derek Lewis for an interim title fight, even though it's not deserved at all because Ngannou is ready for September? Well, the obvious answer is they believe it will make more money. If Connor versus Poirier 4 is for a title, that's what it will do. It will sell more pay-per-views than without one. We all know that. Hell, Masvidal versus Usman 1 outsold Diaz versus Masvidal, and we all knew it was going to be a wrestle fest. Anybody who pays attention to the sport knew exactly what was going to happen in that fight. And just that fact alone, the fact that a world title adds cash, what proves belts still do mean a hell of a lot for the sport. I'm getting rid of these babies, make no mistake about that. Furthermore there, the best in every weight class is perceived as being the best by their title fights. We know Dustin versus Oliveira will determine the best active 155 pounder. There's no question about Usman anymore, Nganu, Yana at 205, Izzy at 185. 145 there is some dispute, but that will be settled with a triangle of competitors in you guessed it, title fights. 135 pound Jan will have a chance to get the belt back the way that most people perceive he deserves it, or Aljo will cement that he deserves it. 125 for Moreno, Rose, Valentina, Nunez. The best is still seen in every weight class to be holding their belt, or at least the best will be getting their title shot very soon. Belts obviously matter. Anyhow, that's my history lesson. That's my whole story on this one. That is all the background I can give. Hey, you're not Jesus. Fergie and Jesus. People like some of these outside reporters miss what makes a star a star in this business and what it took for them to get to that level of fame and stardom in the first place. Legitimacy wins. People like Dustin make the sport what it is, and so does Oliveira, and that's why it's the next fight to make, in my opinion. Thanks for watching my video, guys. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and like. We upload at least three times per week with videos about MMA, and it really helps us out when you do so. If I missed anything, let me know in the comments, and you can follow me personally for more conversation on Twitter at JasonTheHeart, or follow our official account at OnPointMMA. Thanks so much, and I'll catch you guys on the next video.